This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And we, I think we want to dig deep today. We want to talk about your feelings. We want to talk about root cause, all that good emotional stuff, not as much like science. And I mean, I think this is very scientific. So, to give some context, I teach、um, sales training, right, in the corporate world. And we did a training on mindset with a lot of people、uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, and really the mindset of like, where do our results and beliefs come from and kind of what motivates us. And I thought it applied so much to the diet space.、Um, and I also, I was telling you about this podcast I listened to about like your factory. Uh, settings. So, like, you know, if you reset your phone and you put it back on the factory settings, it's like all the way back to those baseline settings before we've changed and customized them. And this podcast is a the interesting concept of it is that they're constantly discussing, like, who are we? Like, how did we get here? Who, why are you the way you are, Judy? And like, why am I the way that I am? And like, where did all of that deeper stuff come from and our factory settings? Like, what is that baseline for us? And then how do we build and customize and learn and grow from that? And I thought those two things really fit. And it was, I had some light bulb moments teaching this to like salespeople、um, about adjusting their. Selling mindset. And I thought it related so much to food stuff that I, we could talk about it today、um, and kind of go through what that pyramid looks like. I work with so many different people that sometimes when we dig really deep, we find that some of their healing is something with trauma or the way that maybe they have an eating disorder or disordered eating that they just never recognized. And ultimately, that's the core root issue. And it's so difficult to share with somebody 
hey, I think the reason you're not healing is because you have disordered eating when they don't even recognize it themselves. They just think oh, it's a gut issue. It's a I just can't poop issue. And it's actually much more than that. And it becomes such a different, difficult discussion to then say, no, actually, you have this imbalanced relationship with food. And how can we fix that? Especially when you don't believe you even have an issue. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talk all the time about like finding what works for you, changing your um, habits, changing your routines or digging deep and figuring out why are you eating this way in the first place and why are you being triggered? And I think some people don't know and they don't even know where to start. And, you know, this concept of like, we think sometimes I just have to find the motivation. Like I just need to get motivated or like, where do you find, how do you stay on track? Where do you get motivated to get up and, and I don't go to the gym, but I look at people who exercise and say like, how do they get motivated to do that? Or they look at me and say, how do you find the motivation to lose weight or to heal? It's, it's not about motivation. It is so much deeper than that. And I think that's what we wanted to kind of hopefully help people think about today of how do you get to figuring out like where things come from? And it's not as simple as just get motivated and then lose weight and then you're going to be healthy and happy. And that's the end of it. It's just, it's, you have to go kind of go back from that a lot. Yeah. And I, and we talk about that a lot on this podcast. We talk about how it's not finding a specific macro or eating a certain kind of cut of meat that will fix you. And I think a lot of people, especially in the diet space, we believe that we believe as soon as we hear or find the magic pill, then we will be fixed. And oftentimes it's a lot more than that nuance. Sure, there's sometimes, um, if you have an histamine sensitivity, for example, if you eat unaged meats, that will improve you. So I know there is a little bit of that nuance, but generally speaking, you are not 50 pounds overweight because you haven't found the right macros. It's normally much more than that. Preach. Oh man. Like I just, yes, I want to hug you right now because that's it. You are not dealing like it's not because you don't have the right fat to protein ratio as to why things are not working for you. We focus so much on these little behaviors or on these little, you know, techniques or these little tiny hacks to think what is going to cause us to be successful long-term or to finally lose the weight or to finally be free from this. And it's, it's so much more than that. Yeah. So why don't you Walk us through the triangle that you had mentioned or the pyramid and then explain to us, maybe we could just stop along the way and share our thoughts or um, some of our experience too. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you have a pen and you or paper and you want to write this down, you can. If not, if you're driving or whatever, I always run errands when I'm listening to podcasts. So you could still um, take listen to it. But the really the foundation of where we have to start from all of this is our programming. And that's kind of the bottom of this pyramid is dealing with our programming. And our programming is what we experience. And it truly does go back to childhood. You know, my brother died when I was 11. And there was literally people that were camped out in front of our house with casseroles, like providing food for my family, for my mom. For months and months, we had people like feeding our family and, and healing. And like, just that's how people show their love in grief situations and in these emotions. And like that affects my programming. When I'm sad, I think of food. Like, and it's, it's so, it kind of goes all the way back to that. I always, I use this example with, I don't talk about like that when I'm teaching a sales class, but I do talk about the fact that like 
I am obsessively on time. You know this. You are, <laughs> you're on time because I'm on time, right? You're always on time with me and I, and I appreciate that. But I am obsessively on time. And that goes all the way back to like when I was a kid, my dad was always on time and my mom was always causing our family to run late. And I have these vivid images of like sitting in the car with my brothers and I, and we're waiting for my mom. And my dad is like banging on the steering wheel, screaming like, come on woman, we're going to be late. And he's just like this, that affects this deep programming that I have. These are my experiences that have then kind of trickled into the rest of this pyramid. We're going to talk about into affecting the fact that I am like weirdly early everywhere I go all the time. No, it it makes a lot of sense. And when I think about how I grew up, my parents were from Korea when Korea wasn't wealthy. And so every meal, they would always say, make sure to finish your plate because there's so many people in other countries that are poor and that they don't even have the option of eating all this food. So I was taught at a very young age, no matter what the serving size was, that I needed to finish my plate. And it became such a habitual thing I would do. And I wonder how much of that affected my eating disorder in the future. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the biggest part of it. When we're looking, we have to kind of go back and say, you know, where did things start for us? What is this deep level? It's simply acknowledging what are my experiences And then, so that's our programming, this foundation. The second step of this pyramid is our beliefs, right? This is the biggest one at the bottom, because this is an audio podcast, is your programming. And the next one on top of that is your beliefs. What you experience impacts your beliefs. What you just said, your parents experienced uh, a time when food was scarce. And so then that impacts their beliefs of what we should be doing now, right? And the belief that it is disrespectful, it is ungrateful to not eat your, clean your plate. And there is this scarcity mindset that doesn't just come from nothing, right? It comes from their programming and what they experienced. And then that feeds into your programming and then into your belief system. So those beliefs come from our programming. I see myself do that even with my children. So let's say we're at a restaurant and they're eating certain foods. I'll say, at least finish the meat, at least finish the protein, because not everyone gets to eat all the protein. And I I rarely say the last part, but sometimes I found myself, especially when Caleb was young, I would say that. I think that belief system, now I'm carrying it to my child. And I have to always check myself of, if he said he's full, I have to believe that and accept that instead of trying to pass on these same belief systems that I received from my parents who went through a a Korean war. Yeah. And that's where, you know, from the example that I shared about my brother, right, you're dealing this programming of what we've experienced. We're experiencing people um, providing food for you, giving you comfort and love and showing that through food. And then we feel, um, some comfort from that. And it really falls into our belief system, which then the next, the third step in our little pyramid is your emotions, right? So how do you feel about that? So this is what I've experienced, my beliefs that come out of that, and then my emotions. And this, I think, is the core of a lot of the food issues. And we all talk talk about our emotions around food. I talk about how I eat when I'm happy, I eat when I'm sad, I eat when I'm bored, right? And a lot of times when we're trying to get to the root cause issue with food, we spend a lot of time focusing on our emotions uh, and trying to address the emotions. But I think we have to go back and say, where does those 
we're having those emotions because of our beliefs and we're having those beliefs because of our programming. You can't just change up your emotions or how you're going to feel about something without understanding where that's coming from. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes so much sense. I think a lot of people this day and age, we try to mask our emotions, right? We don't want to feel the grief. We don't want to feel the overwhelm or the stress. And so we feed ourselves so that we don't feel those things. And it's like what Brene Brown said, if you mask certain emotions, so you don't feel them, you also remove the other emotions that are good. So the ability to feel joy and happiness and vulnerability, when you try to mask the bad, you also then mask the good. And I know I did that all the time. So if I felt happy, I wanted to celebrate with food. If I was sad or overwhelmed, or I was upset, I would turn to food and I would end up in a binge. And the core thing was when I started going through my healing journey of my eating disorder, I just sit there with my emotions. And I remember literally white knuckling it where I feel really uncomfortable in my skin. How do I deal with this? Over time, as you accept your emotions and actually live through them and feel them, you will start, I guess, healing your relationship with food. And it's not that simple. I'll obviously work with someone. Right. As humans, we have to feel our emotions. And I think this day and age, we try to mask them with whatever noise we can fill it with. I agree. I think the distractions that we use to and food are both used to soothe your emotions. But I also think in a lot of ways, we are we play up our emotions like the victimhood mentality that a lot of people get into is all emotional based. And like, these are my feelings. This is my truth. Like I'm allowed to just like, you know, we it's interesting because we mask emotions with medications, with food with distractions, but then other times it seems that those emotions define us and we allow that to be an excuse to, um, to let things spiral or just to kind of wallow in or to not change. I think because I have, I'm having emotions about it. Like I can't, I can't change it. These are, this is just how I feel. This is my truth type of type of mentality. A lot of people, especially in maybe corporate media, they, they really pull on your belief systems of you are in your situation because of you just were born with a less advantageous way. And so therefore pull on those emotions. Like you have the right to be mad. You have the right to feel that you were slighted um, in the way you live. And that's why you're living the way you do. And then they pull on those emotions of anger and fear and they're getting the reactions they do. So they have, that's absolutely true as well. Yeah. And those types of emotions, right? So the next rung of our pyramid or the next step uh, going up our pyramid is motivation. And I think that's where, you know, your emotions 100% affect your motivation. And a lot of times we're just like trying, I'm trying to get motivated to go to the gym. I say that all the time. Or people are like, I'm trying to get motivated to eat healthy or I'm trying to get motivated. And I think a lot of times maybe we do connect the fact that emotions are related to that. But again, below the emotions is our belief system and is our programming and where that comes from. But we can't change our motivation unless we're able to address the emotions that are connected to that. Like, why are we feeling this way? Um, you know, we keep falling off the wagon and we're not motivated to eat healthy. We're, we're not motivated to keep out the carbs and sugar. Like what emotions are tied to that? Uh, and I think that's something that we have to make sure we're addressing. If our beliefs are that we'll never change our lives and we'll always be obese, and then our emotions, when we are affected by something, we may overeat 
And then the motivation to do anything for change disappears because now you have food fatigue and brain fog from all the junky carbs you ate. Yeah. And then on top of that motivation, right, we have our behaviors. So whether or not you're motivated or not, right, it's all of that motivation is going to affect your behaviors, which is what you do, right? Those behaviors are, do you go to the gym or not? Are you eating carbs and sugar? Are you snacking, right? My uh, motivation and my below that, my emotions, my beliefs, my programming is where my snacking behaviors come from. And what I'm trying to tell myself to stop snacking while I'm watching TV It's not as simple as like, well, I just need to stop snacking when I'm watching TV. I need to get motivated to stop snacking when I'm watching TV. I have to think deeper to like, where are those emotions coming from? And then to change the emotions, right? I have to then make sure that I'm changing my beliefs and my programming. And you have to, you can't just try to change your behaviors alone, right? The behavior is our next to the, it's hard to describe this audio with, you know, but like um, our behaviors are... Um, second from the top, right? And then the very top of that pyramid is our results. The results come from our behaviors, right? We think about that. And the behaviors come from your motivation. And sometimes we think about it just being in that small pyramid. But truly below that motivation is our emotions, is our beliefs, and our programming. And in order to get the results that we want, whether that's to heal your gut, to heal from SIRS, right, to heal from an eating disorder, to lose weight, to be a better salesperson, like whatever that is for you, to write a book, whatever goals you want to accomplish and the results that you're trying to hit, we have to be able to address the things that are deeper. No, and I think that's so important. I mean, when I was going through my illness, I didn't have the motivation because my emotions were so high and that maybe I'm not good enough or I'm not strong enough. And that it affected my belief systems, which obviously that was my programming. And that's where I think where we talk about consistency and it's how do you get consistent though? How do we know what will help us to stay consistent to get our results? And I think that's where our win the day, the um, just do one thing at a time, your non-negotiable really comes into play because I think in order to change our behaviors, we just have to implement one thing at a time, one win at a uh, one win a day, and then that will seep into seeing some type of results. And then I think as you start seeing results, it can start changing your motivation, your emotions, and your beliefs. And a lot of these things again are talked about in James Clear's The Atomic Habits, where he basically says just focus on small things to change. You'll see the results, and then you'll start believing things. But if you just try to believe that you are you are thin now or you are healthy now, it's hard to really believe that and change that programming in you if you don't have the results to come first. And so if you were to just tackle things one day at a time, so maybe it's just your one day at a time list is, I will have two meals a day with just meat and then continue that and just focus on your day. Don't focus on, I need to get over an illness. I need to get a new job. Instead, just focus on the win the days. And that's where your results will come over time. You will see a lot more change in your beliefs and your motivation. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I love, I do love the book Atomic Habits. I think in a lot of ways, that's addressing what we're talking about from the top down yes. and versus, and it, I think understanding 
you, I mean, going both directions is helpful, right? So changing small behaviors every day will likely give you the results, right? And that's going to help address your motivation, which then inevitably can help your emotions and your beliefs and your, and deep down to your programming. But I think going the other direction at the same time is going to be the most powerful thing of truly, you know, changing your one habits at a time, doing something that's attainable, something like Judy said, that's making you feel accomplished, that you can implement that's going to help you feel that motivation as you win the day, but then also understanding like truly where are these deeper things coming from? For some people, it's, you know, really hard therapy around trauma and really deeper understanding of programming and adequacy uh, to heal. And for other people, it's really just understanding like, where do those beliefs about food come from? Like, why do you feel like you have to eat those things? Where does the emotions like... Why is it that to celebrate this occasion, you feel like you have to eat this food and that's what's making you feel happy about the occasion, right? And where does that programming come from? And it's kind of journaling is really helpful to understand that, you know, talking to somebody, a friend, um, or maybe it even is a therapist, depending on the, on the trauma and how deep it goes. But I do think kind of going both directions can be really helpful. I, I was watching this show recently. I think it's called Kilo something, but it's basically these extreme weight loss stories. And a lot of them, when they're first starting to work out, and these people are six, 700 pounds, maybe some of them are 400, but they end up breaking down in a lot of the episodes where they had some type of trauma when they were young and then they sought food. So let's, let's talk about this in a real world example or just a case sample, because I'm just trying to process if I was listening to this episode if we don't know our programming, how do we even get there? So let's just say, maybe if you could just run us through an example of yeah. how do we even get to that programming level to, to make this super tangible? Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's going back. I think it's understanding what results are you trying to hit or what are the results that you're currently getting? And then it's going backwards to say, what behaviors am I currently doing and saying, am I, um, you know, it's, I, I'm trying to relate this to a diet perspective, but like from a work perspective, right? Like uh, if you're not reading your emails and if you're not attending meetings, like you're not going to get the results that you want. So in your behaviors, if you are snacking, if you are um, eating carbs and sugar that you shouldn't be, um, if those are the behaviors that you're implementing, then where is that motivation coming from? And I think it's kind of just, it's it takes a lot of journaling to kind of go back and say, where are those um, motivations coming from? And then what are the emotions that are attached to that for you? Um, how are you feeling about it? How do you feel about these types of things? I guess this isn't, I'm trying to put this into a diet perspective and I'm not doing a very good job. No, no, I, I think it makes sense. It's because they all bleed into each other. I think that's why it's kind of hard to yes. separate them. But let's just assume there's a 50 year old woman that came to me and said they're 50 pounds overweight and they just want to lose that weight. So we first think, okay, so let's first, we'll look at some of the actions. Maybe, maybe they're not eating certain macros. Maybe they're overeating cheese. I mean, who knows the reasons, but from what you're saying about journaling, maybe they just write down everything that they eat in a day. And then if there's ever a moment in time that they overeat, we can then dig into the programming of it. So what were your emotions in that meal when you were supposed to only have 40 grams of protein and, and they ended up having cheese and maybe some other stuff that makes their, the calories go higher in that meal. And then we could figure out, okay, so maybe you had a hard day that day. So now we know 
that this person is turning to food when they're emotional. But then we have to wonder, okay, so why do you think you then turn to food? So the question is always why I think and I I went through that therapy skill. And we can talk about that in a second. But so then it's wondering, okay, so you had a stressful day, you had an emotional day that day. So why did you decide to turn to food? And then if the person says, well, I have always turned to food, and then it's just digging into that, well, I've always, right? So where did that, so did your mom turn to food or did you guys celebrate with food in your family? Or when you were upset, did mom have you go and get ice cream with her? Where is that stemming from? And I think ultimately that's how we would find the programming. Yeah, and I think too, I have for for understanding our beliefs, right? We have to understand where are those beliefs coming from? And they're gonna come from three different places. It's going to come from personal experiences, right? It's going to come from environmental experiences. So environmental experiences uh, is experiences that you've observed. Maybe you saw somebody get bullied for their size and their weight. That's an environmental experience. It's always like, hey, the fat kid in school was bullied. And so now I feel bad because of this, right? Maybe it's childhood experiences, cultural experiences. So you're in, I went to, you know, growing up in like a Midwestern church culture, potlucks and this type of like casserole mentality is like a cultural experience that I was raised with. Right. And then also societal experiences. So what we see in the media, what we watch on TV, what we hear from influencers, right? Our belief systems. Why do you think that you have to eat a stick of butter a day? Why do you believe that? Well, because TV is telling you that Instagram is telling you that influencers are telling you that. Or why do you think that, you know, you have to exercise, eat more, move less? That's part of our societal expectations. This mentality of calories in, calories out, like that's part of our societal belief systems, right? And, you know, I had mentioned our personal experiences. Obviously, that's going to be things that are very individual to us, situations that you have been in personally or situations that affected you. So what was that childhood home like? Those things that that Judy mentioned. Um, And truly understanding like, I would kind of ask yourself all of those questions about your beliefs. And then it gets into really, how do you change that? And it's about rewriting your story. And in order to rewrite your story, I think it's first and foremost asking yourself, like, are my current stories serving me well? Am I getting the results that I want? And if the answer is no, right, then I think it's to take a step backwards and say, how do I behave like, what are my behaviors because of my belief systems? And and thinking through those personal, environmental, and societal beliefs. And it's an interesting thought to say, like, and I think this is where we all get to this point when we start carnivore, of asking ourselves, like, what if the opposite of my thoughts, beliefs, and perspectives were true? I can't tell you how many times like in the last three or four years where I went like, oh, wow, that's the opposite of what I always thought it would be. And even just to be open minded enough to think and this is true with like the world currently right now. And I think a lot of people have a hard time seeing things from someone else's perspective. But it's truly saying, what if the opposite of my thoughts, beliefs and perspectives were true? And if that's the case, if red meat's not really bad for me, if um, you know I don't just need to focus on macros, if I don't need to you know focus on calories in, calories out, so then it's going back to those behaviors. How would I behave 
if I believed these new stories, if I believed that red meat was good for me, how would I behave at that point? And then, you know, really, again, how would that impact my ability to be successful? Like, what would my new results be if my behaviors changed because of my results? So it's almost like this stair step to to help dive deeper to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. So I, I think based on what you said, it's really important to write down everything that you think only because yeah. I think most people don't really or they can't articulate what they really believe. Without me asking someone specifically or my client specifically, what are your thoughts around red meat? What are your fears around it? Or what are your thoughts around saturated fat? Why are you finishing your plate? Why did you turn to food when you felt emotional? Why did you turn to food when you had a hard day? Without asking those targeted questions, people will not know. And I know that for sure because our clientele, we have to have them do a food and mood journal in order for them to start realizing, oh, eggs actually make my stomach hurt or dairy is the one thing that has changed. Um, Maybe, maybe to make this just really tangible and um, applicable is around, especially around food. Maybe everyone just documents what they eat in a day and then you write down any emotional things, physical things you experienced. If you ate a little off plan of what you expected and then ask the questions of why. Yep. You'll start seeing your beliefs in your writing. And then once you have those beliefs, so now you realize you have maybe 10 things that you believe when it comes to a meal, when it comes to snacking, when it comes to right after uh, you come back from work and you have to reward yourself with a snack, even if it's a meat-based snack. Once you have those beliefs down, that's the only way you're going to challenge it. Because without knowing your beliefs, how will you challenge what you are experiencing without saying, but do you really need that snack, right? Or do you really need to eat that before your meal? Do you really need to celebrate with um, XYZ food? Because are you really feeling better ever since having that one reward food? And the only way you could challenge the beliefs is even knowing where your beliefs are. Yeah, and it's you can't change your childhood and your trauma and the th- your programming, right? You can't change like what you've experienced. But understanding the beliefs that you have are coming out of that. It is possible then to with an open mind under once you truly understand where your beliefs come from, like Judy mentioned, then it's possible to be more open-minded and you can start training yourself to have new beliefs, right? You you're understanding the fact that I'm believing this. So how am I behaving because of those beliefs? So then it's, you know, like I said, what is the opposite of my of my current beliefs? And how can I start to tell myself that? It's giving yourself those daily reminders, those daily wins, things that are going to help impact your belief system uh, and, and have you be more, when you're more open-minded about it. The hiccups I see with my clients are when they believe they've changed their belief system. But when we get into nuanced questions, I know they haven't fully believed or bought into carnivore. And some of the examples I can give you guys is when I say, do you really believe that saturated fats and high cholesterol is not an issue? Mm. Are you really not worried that your LDL is high and the risk of heart disease? And so when we get into these nuanced specific questions, then their confidence in carnivore starts to shake. And then the questions of, do you really believe that we do not need carbohydrates? And when we get into the specifics, they're on more shaky ground. And when they believe that, okay, well, Paul Saladino or certain other people pro-metabolic diet say that some amount of carbs is okay, that's when that window or or the door opens where, well, I'm having just a little bit of carbs with my meat. That's okay because technically 
Dr. Saladino is doing well with it or the pro-metabolic community is doing well with it. And that's where that belief system, when we get to the core of it, it's because they still have a little bit of, well, maybe we do need carbs for thyroid function and I am hypothyroid and therefore having a little bit of sweet potato with my meal is okay or having a little bit of sugar if it fits my macros is okay because carbs in, in the small amount I'm eating, it's fine. And it comes down again to that belief system because we start challenging without realizing we're challenging. We have these little justifications when we're actually eating the food. And when you get into these sessions, you really start seeing, like you said, our belief systems are not fully 100% aligned with carnivore. And and you see it when people say, I went to the doctor, my LDL super high. My doctor really scared me about having a heart attack. What do you guys think? And that's where that belief starts getting shaken. Yeah. And then that, you know, cascades into your emotions, right? It gets people very stressed and upset, which is going to affect their motivation. And then that affects their behavior, like you mentioned. And it's not as simple as saying like, I mean, like you can't tell them it's fine. Your high LDL is fine. Your high LDL is fine because your triglycerides are low. Like that's not enough to affect their belief system. They have to feel confident in that on their own, right? I can't change your belief system for you. And that's, I think, understanding why do you believe that, right? Understanding why are you so afraid of a high LDL? Where is that coming from? Is it societal? Is it environmental? Is it personal? And then trying to understand how to change that belief system. What research do you need to know? What information do you need to have in order for your belief system on that to change or for your confidence in that to change? Um, Because that will inevitably then affect your behaviors, which will affect your results. There was a TV show my kids were watching and the dad said he had a hamburger with bacon and they alluded to something about heart disease. And then I see my kids watch it without a impression on them. And I just see when we watch things like that, those are belief systems that our society just accepts, right? It wasn't even a question of what that's information's right. wrong. What about the bread that you're eating with it or the sugar on the of whatever sides he was eating? And it was just about the bacon. And I think these are the belief systems. So for that situation, I would start telling if my client needed more assurance that LDL doesn't equal cardiovascular disease, I would start telling them stop watching regular TV. Like that's one way to shut down the belief systems because we don't realize that what we see here and view often, it affects us. So if we watch 10 shows that brings up how LDL or bacon or fat causes heart disease, it it's nearly impossible as humans for us to say, no, that's not true. Yeah. And I think to to know where that's coming from, right? It's it's addressing the the research behind it. It's trying to find a place where you can feel confident about it because you're going to be constantly be bombarded with people in your life, like you said, even just the media and, and shows and things, but also then people in your life um, who are going to counter that. It's, in, it's an interesting concept because we don't want to live in this bubble where we are in this like cult-like mentality right. where it's like, no, no, this is the only thing that you can believe. But it... If you are truly not bought into it and understanding that, like why you're eating or the fact that, you know, you need cake on your birthday to celebrate it and to make it feel special, like we have to be able to kind of take a step back and and address that. Um, Or long term, your behaviors and your results aren't going to change, right? I lost weight in 2018. I lost 120 pounds in 10 months. 
simply because my behaviors and my, I was really, really, really freaking motivated and I was motivated and my behaviors changed and I got some incredible results, but I never addressed the emotions and the beliefs and my initial programming. And then 2020 happened and my slightly, my world, my routine changed this, like I couldn't keep up that motivation forever because you can't motivation is going to be fleeting. It can last for a day, a week, a month. For me, it lasted a year at one point. And I, and I had enough motivation to change my behaviors and my results to lose weight for a year. It wasn't enough to last my entire life to keep this off. And I gained weight back and I fell down the rabbit hole of like dealing with all of those things. And it took me several more years to go back further than that and address my emotions and my deeper belief systems that come from my programming in order to actually change my beliefs and have long-term results, right? And to be able to kind of like be in this place now where I am feeling more confident and living a, what I think is a sustainable lifestyle. The other behavior or the other programming or belief I had with my parents was, I mean, I'm from an Asian culture, so we really respect um, authority, um, including your parents. And so when my parents said, that's the way to eat, I had to challenge that right. of maybe they're not really right. Or maybe in the situation, they grew up in a war where they were very poverty stricken, and they really didn't have food. I mean, my mom would tell me they had a large family and they didn't have enough food. So they would have rice in water for days. So the rice would blow up or get really thick and it would fill your stomach. I never grew up with that kind of poverty. And so in that right. situation, I get it. I get it. They were poor. They didn't have enough money. And that's all they could survive at that time. And I have to understand where she came from to then understand that the recommendations for me in my life now is not the same. And again, it's just going through that processing to understand that, to then challenge why we do certain things. And I think we oftentimes don't realize a lot of our habitudes and the way we raise our kids is the way that we've been taught, but we're not living in the same world as them. Right. And changing that is, I mean, imagine if you never were able to change your belief system around food right. and we're still living in that same mindset that you were raised with. And that was, you know, I think in a lot of ways, that's how you were able to break out of your eating disorder and um, was by understanding where a lot of that came from for you and then being able to change your belief system. I mean, you were plant-based for how long, right? And and being able to radically change that belief system about what was healthy for you and how you were supposed to heal. Um, there's a quote that we use in this training that says, uh, you will become what you think about most. Your success or failure in anything, large or small, will depend on your programming, what you accept from others, and what you say when you talk to yourself. Uh, and I think that's so key where so much in the, I, I mean, obviously you deal with healing people and I uh, have a weight loss perspective, but like so much of the time we are focused on our results of like, I need to lose 50 pounds. I need to lose 50 pounds. Okay. I'm going to change my behaviors to do this. But the motivation that we have is fleeting. And when you're so obsessed with getting these results, but don't understand like where those behaviors are coming from, like, why are we behaving in a certain way? And where is that, you know, motivation or lack of motivation coming from, Right. What you're thinking about most, I think, is whether it's your success or your failure is 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 going to dictate like how 
uh, successful you can be. Yeah. One thing I've always asked people is, have you ever imagined your future the way that you want it to be? So one of the Mm. questions we've now added to our intake form is when you hit your goals with us, when you heal, what is the next step that, what is the thing that you want to do next? And a lot of them have no answer. And it's because they don't really believe that they can heal or lose the weight or get over this illness. And it just shows me that we focus so much on the negative and the bad because, I mean, that's how we protected ourselves as the human race forever, right? If you get burned, you learn very quickly. I'm never going to touch something that's going to burn me again. And so we remember all the bad things so we never get hurt again. So I understand that process very well. But we have to now understand that the belief system will affect our results. So if we're afraid every single day we get up of, oh my gosh, am I going to cheat today? Am I going to fall off the carnivore diet? And am I am I going to be fat forever? Like that is not the mindset we need. It's more of, I can't wait to be able to be a size X or I, I cannot wait to be able to not use my walking support thing or I, I cannot wait to be able to be in a job again and focus on that reality because- There was a study where they showed an orchestra playing in front of this person and they did, they did brain scans and a certain part of the brain lit up. And then you see this person visualizing the orchestra the same way. Nothing is in front of them, but just the visualization and the same part of the brain lit up, meaning that the brain has no differentiating factor of when someone imagines something versus when it's actually happening in front of them. And to me, that tells me if you can visualize a better tomorrow of how will you look in your new weight? How will you walk or heal or be? And then you visualize that every single day. The brain has a funny thing about trying to rectify what you imagine and what is reality. So then let's say the next day you're outside and let's say you were envisioning something that was purple, that you were wearing something purple. Maybe unknowingly you buy something that's purple because your brain forces you to go there and buy it. And that's how your brain will try to meet you with what you've been visualizing. And I know it sounds super woo-woo, but what is the harm in doing that? So I ask a lot of my clients or patients that are really sick, and I say, stop going on the internet to figure out what else is making you sick or what else you need to do to biohack. Instead, Mm. wake up with a visualization of how am I going to be when I'm X amount of pounds lighter, or when I'm this much healed, and how will my life be? And focus on that every single morning, every single morning, just focus on where you want to be, rather than all the negative things that you have to do in the day, and all the negative things that will then put you in a negative headspace, which will then make it that much easier to fail for the day. I love that. I don't even know if I did that in the beginning to like think ahead. I'm so My programming has given me to say, like, I can only think about today in a lot of ways. And so I think I still, that challenges me to think still now, what would my life look like three years from now if I still am eating this way, if I'm still healthy? Like, what am I going to be able to accomplish? I think that's something I can push myself to focus on more still. So I I know you're going to be on the Food Network. (laughs) (laughs) That's Judy's. Judy has a five-year plan for me, by the way, guys. I have a what am I doing today plan. Uh, but Judy's got my five-year plan worked out for me. Yeah, I visualized her being on Food Network, showing how to grill to all of America and being and living a healthy, normal life while eating meat. Yeah. I mean, that is powerful. Exactly. 
Yeah. I'm just a normal. This is what it is, too. Like, I truly believe that the reason why now this is different, maybe if you're super sick, obviously, if you're dealing with mold, you have to get out of the mold like you have those types of things. But for people who are trying to lose weight, I truly believe it has nothing to do with the fact that you're just eating the wrong fat to protein ratio. You have the wrong intermittent fasting window. You have the wrong calorie macros. Like you have the wrong exercise routine. You skipped it. Like all of those things can make a small difference, but that's not the reason that you're not being successful. It truly has more to do with the fact that it has to be sustainable for you long-term. And obviously- Like I'm not taking no account to those things, but long-term, the way that you're going to be able to be successful is by finding something that you can stick to. And I hate that answer, right? I've said this on this podcast before, but I reached out to a fasting expert early on in my um, weight loss journey and just said like, hey, what's the most optimal fasting window that I need to have to lose weight? And their response to me was, it's the one that you can stick to. And I was so mad that that was their response to me because I was like, no, no, I want, give me the behavior to hit that will give me the results that I want because my motivation was peak, that I was willing to implement whatever behavior I needed to do to give me the results that I wanted. Well, guess what? That was not sustainable for me. It is a short-term fix to the fact that I had to address what was deeper. And all of the motivation in the world that I have had me hit these extreme behaviors, gave me some really epic results for about a year. And I couldn't keep that up. And I gained a bunch of weight back and I, I really struggled with forever until I started addressing the emotions and the beliefs and the programming. And even now, like I still have work to do to change my belief systems about what am I worthy of? Like, what is my programming tell me that I deserve? And I deserve to take care of myself and to be healthy and happy. And I have to constantly, like, how do I change my belief system around that? I have to constantly be telling myself that I do deserve to make my health a priority and to, you know, it's not that I deserve to have a donut. Because I think a lot of times our belief system is saying, no, no, you deserve a treat. You deserve it. You've worked really hard. It's been a hard day. You deserve a treat. No, I deserve. The opposite of that is true for me. I deserve to abstain. I deserve to push myself harder and to not give in in the moment because I deserve a healthy life where I feel great and I am capable of so much more than than caving to that donut. So think about how a long time ago, even a couple hundred years ago, there was no donut. So that was that's truly our belief systems from the programming of on your birthday, you celebrate with cake or on your birthday or on some type of big celebration, you celebrate with these donuts or the sugary treats. But that is a programming of just recent America or just recent couple hundred years ago. And it's it's having a challenge that of no, that is not rewarding. And in fact, it's actually making you sicker. Your blood work shows it, right? As soon as you eat a donut, your blood sugar will right. skyrocket, which actually shows you that it's not an actual treat for your body. We think it in our mind when our dopamine kicks, but you can get dopamine kicks in other ways. Maybe you go out on a shopping spree or you plan a vacation or you get a new... Even simple things, go for a walk, take a bubble bath, like, you know, do... I like to go get my nails done or it's just, it can be very small things. Give a sticker chart. Like I love a checkbox, right? This is why Judy and I always say like, what are small things? It can be very big motivations, but also it could just be something really small. Yeah. I think 
where I think this whole pyramid, where I think, where I think this, oh my gosh. (laughs) Who is that your neighbor? Yeah, I think so. It's not our, Kevin's not here. Okay, there goes. Somebody is cranky. So where you have to leave that in. <laughs> uh, but okay. Where where I think this pyramid is so important is just understanding our beliefs and our programming. And I think when we think, oh, woe is me, I don't get to celebrate like everyone else does with the cake or the pizza or whatever the toxic food is. And if we really were to change our belief system of, is that really celebrating and doing good for yourself? Because you can easily with a CGM, your blood work, I mean, whatever you want to test, it shows your body tells you that, no, this is not good for you. And it is just our programming around our culture that says these foods are celebratory, but are they really? And that's the stuff that we need to challenge. And it is so much harder to challenge these things when the rest of the world, whether it's your friends, your loved ones, or TV or influencers says, everyone else says these are things to celebrate. But we have to challenge these programmings. And it starts with people like us that challenge, actually, this is not a way to celebrate. And as more and more take on this and realize that these are not ways to celebrate, then more people will adopt it. Yeah. And it's hard to do that. And I would, I would, as we kind of wrap this up, I would say, you know, understanding what your programming is, is really powerful and digging deep, like we had talked about, but then also asking yourself, how are you, as you address trying to change your beliefs, how are you going to remind yourself of these new beliefs every day? Like what are some things that you can implement to remind yourself of your new belief systems? And then how will you take action on your new beliefs? Like what behaviors are going to change because of your new beliefs? Um, And then the third thing is how will you make your beliefs your new reality? So the, the new beliefs that you have, what changes are you going to make to implement them to have them become your new reality? And I think one easy way you can challenge your belief systems are you to wear a rubber band or a bracelet mm. on one side. And every time you have negative, negative belief systems in you, you can always switch it. So then you'll notice just from that habitude of, wow, I really think negatively. I really think, oh, here's another day that I'm in pain, or here's another day that I ate unwell, or here's another day I ate too many calories. And every time you switch it, you'll start stopping yourself from saying it out loud. And you may still think it, but it's just one step closer to getting to the belief system that that you really want to be at. I'll just leave with this one thing. I know I can't say much about Michaela Peterson, but I'll share in context of what she shares publicly. There were some medications that I didn't think Michaela can tolerate. I think the difference with her and some of the other people that are going through the SERS protocol is her belief system. She believes she will heal. Even if it's not SERS at the end of the day that has made her sick, she fully believes she can heal and she is willing to do everything. If I was her first physician, I don't know if I would have put her on the strongest meds that she's on, but she has this fighting tenacity in her that I am going to heal and I am going to get better. And she is willing to do whatever it takes. And that is the belief system in her programming that is getting her better. And it is not just because it's Michaela, it is because of her fight for better. And I think that every single one of us has that ability and we just need to find that in us. And so when days are hard, you fight through it, whatever you need to do in your day to day to get it done. And I'm sure she has days that are hard. I'm sure she does. 
but she fights through it. And she believes that it doesn't matter how long it's been, that she will have better health. A lot of our biggest struggles and the hardships we live in our life is us. It is our lack of belief in us that makes us where we are today. And I know that's such a hard thing to accept, but it's true. We are our biggest enemy. And so if there are external things, then turn it off. Like that's where I keep bringing up social media or TV, or even if it's your closest friends and family, cut them off while you try to heal. And I I will put a link to that one show I was talking about, but sometimes they have to do that. So if people are enabling these people that are super obese, if it's their family that wants them to heal, but then bringing them the food, then you have to cut those people off for a little bit. If that's what will help you to start changing your beliefs and your programming ultimately. Yeah, it's so easy to let our sickness and our weight and our health define our identity. And be, and I think the only way to change that is to go back and change your belief system and to really, you know, exp- believe that you can heal and believe that you deserve better and then see yourself what that life is going to be like after you heal, like Judy had mentioned. Yeah. Well, this was a different kind of episode today, guys. Hope it was helpful um, and gives you a new perspective on some ways that you can hopefully heal and find long-term uh, success. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.